Hi, we're Ron and Patty Cochran, and we're here again today for our final class in helping you with grieving. Uh, This is kind of a part two from last week because uh, we started answering questions and we just had too many to get to. So today we're going to finish answering those questions. And then we want to spend the rest of our time today just talking about Uh, Not about shelter in place, but about how to handle that in a a healthy way, because a lot of us are grieving that right now. Mm -hmm. So first question, how do you begin to deal with grief if you have ignored it or hidden yourself from dealing with it for a huge part of your life? I think my first question, if if you were here now, whoever asked that question, uh, my first question for you would be, um, are you still feeling that grief in in a major way? Um, there are a lot of people who just don't grieve as long as others, and it maybe doesn't hit them quite as hard. But having hidden it or ignored it, how has it affected you since then? And I think that's probably the big measure with that. Has your life been adversely affected through the years? And I do know people, and I have met with people, that that is the case, mm-hmm. where there is a, a something that happened to them years ago or a significant person in their life died, and that person's still kind of stuck yeah. in that same mm-hmm. time period. And if that's the case then, um, yeah, great question. And this is very important to deal with. So what you'd want to do is first kind of ask yourself, okay, what have I been hiding from? What have I been ignoring? And how might that be affecting me right now? Just start talking about the loss. Talk about uh, the memories of the person you lost or whatever memories uh, of something you lost. And then also talk um, about maybe some of the hurts involved with that. And that may be enough for some or many of you to be able to feel like you're doing something with that loss. But this is also one of those times where if you're just really stuck, if your growth has been stunted and you just can't move beyond it, this is a great time to go see somebody um, professionally and get some help with this. Right. So how do you move forward? when you feel that you have grieved enough. And I think that moving forward is a decision and you are the only one that can answer the proper timing of that for yourself. So some people think that if I stop grieving, then that's, it's just gonna be the end of my grief if I move forward and that's not the case. Um, your grief does not end when you decide to move forward. It does change though. Maybe the intensity of the grief is starting to lessen as you begin to move forward. Um, some people think that moving forward means to that you're forgetting about your, your lost loved one. And that, too, is not the case. Um, what you're doing is you're learning to accept that loss while you are learning to live a full and even happy life. And um, you will always miss that person that you have lost, but you can still uh, move forward with life. And as you begin doing this, um, you'll begin to allow people back into your life. Um, And it's going to be very important for self-care, to make sure that you're eating healthy and getting enough sleep. Um, Maybe you're taking walks with friends, just getting out in the sunshine. You could also start by distracting yourself with good things. 
and that might be exercise or volunteering or even seeking counseling. That is a positive thing to do for yourself if you need it. You know, I thought it was interesting, one of the things you said, that it sounded like it's kind of the difference between being stuck in your loss versus allowing, for instance, if it's somebody that died, allowing their life to impact yours so that you move forward um, growing from it and you can identify, you know, this is what I learned from this person. Oh, absolutely. This is how I'm growing. One of the questions that we got was, am I responsible for my words and actions while grieving? The short answer to that would be yes. Now, having said that, uh, when we face an excruciating loss, uh, don't expect a whole lot out of the person there at first uh, because we talked before in previous classes about going through shock, being numb. So there's, we're probably going to want to be locked in our room crying at times. So maybe not expect so much, but don't throw out the Bible because we're grieving. Grieving is not a license to kill or maim or hurt. Mm-hmm. our spouse or our family. Uh, think about Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. These are the, the most common themes of the Bible, loving God and loving other people. And if we find ourselves, or somebody's pointing out to us that we're taking our grief out on our family, then that's a time to, uh, it's a sign to look that maybe we're not uh, approaching our grieving in the most healthy way. It's also a time where we might get objective input. Now, the key word there is objective. Sometimes we could pick a friend and we could say, give our side of things, and it's so tilted in one direction, the friend's going to say, well, yeah, I'm going to, you're totally correct in this. But Sometimes getting objective input, just sitting back, not being defensive, and just listening about how maybe somebody else from the outside is looking in at our grieving and how we're treating our spouse or family. We can grieve, and we can still be kind to our family. Okay. Well, how do we handle, um, say, our spouse has died, or maybe we've lost a child, And in part of our process of moving forward with life, we decide to enter into a new relationship. Um, How do we do that and not feel guilty? So I I think that um, the, the whole idea of feeling guilty is something that if you put that on yourself, then maybe you're not quite ready to enter into a new relationship. Maybe, maybe you need a little more time. Um, if other people are putting that on you, then that's uh, a case of not allowing uh, other people to dictate to you your grieving process. So um, in order to do that in healthy ways, you're going to want to find ways to honor that child or honor that spouse. And uh, you might do that by maybe planting a tree um, and where you can see it grow. Maybe you want to um, celebrate birthdays and other milestones by being giving um, to other people. Uh, Maybe you want to get involved in an organization. You know, if it was cancer, maybe there's a cancer organization that you want to get involved with. 
but I think that it would be important to include in those celebrations the new relationship so that they feel fully um, included in what has been important to you in your life so far. Um, and it's going to be really important to help children to continue to talk very positively about the person that was lost. Uh, they might need to um, create a, a video memorial for the person. Uh, maybe it's a memory box that they can open and take a look at. Um, so these are some things that you can do just moving yeah. forward. I am so sorry for your loss. Those are words that we very typically say when we go through the receiving line at a, a funeral. Those are words that we text uh, different uh, friends, uh, people that, that we know, and we might say, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'll be praying for you, or um, God, uh, I'm praying that God will comfort you. I mean, those are some typical things that we will say. And so we had a question, and that is, what else can I say other than I'm sorry for your loss, and how can I support the other person while still doing it in a way that's beneficial to them and not overstepping my boundaries? And, you know, I think a question like this especially involves the mourning process, and I think it's just fine to say, because think about it, if if the person is feeling shock and numbness, they're, they're probably not really hearing a whole lot of your words anyway, but what it does is it connects to them that you um, see them and you mm -hmm. see their loss and therefore they're not invisible to you. Right. So I think those words are just fine. If there are other words that are very appropriate, then that's great, but I wouldn't like put yourself out too much. Now, one thing to consider though is the funeral ends, therefore the details are over. Maybe there's still some details of working out finances, etc. But after a, a while, a short while, there's a whole lot less people around, less family around. They go back to their homes, less friends around. And then people are more and more on their own. And so that's when you can especially uh, be a great comfort to people with your presence just by calling, texting, stopping by, these days Zooming, and uh, just be able to let people know that you are there and you still notice them. So I think that that probably helped quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking of some um, other phrases that might be helpful, uh, such as, I've been thinking of you. I know that you're hurting. Um, I'm here when you want me to be here. Mm -hmm. So um, those are some other things. Well, how can you comfort somebody who is going through a chronic condition that is producing a lot of grief. Um, and it's this long-term grief. And the difference between the short term that you have lost um, a spouse or, or somebody has died that's important to you, and this long-term thing is there, there's not necessarily an end point. You know, somebody may have lost... Uh, function, and that's a diminished ability to perform tasks or heart hobbies, uh, maybe a loss of career, maybe um, even losing out on daily living function. And this can bring about uh, a loss of status and a loss of identity. 
um, it, and it diminishes the self-esteem of the person. And that can lead to depression. And uh, just when you think that you've, you've kind of covered it and, and you've gotten on top of something, then more limitations can appear and you're fighting this cycle uh, over again. So it can be a very long, drawn-out sort of thing. So I think in order to help somebody through this long-term type of grief is to be a safe place for them to vent or to cry. And your, go your goal is to walk with them through this journey of grief. And I think in particular of uh, my good friend Cheryl Ailey, who really walked with me as I was uh, trying to recover and experiencing some very long-term um, issues. So I think it's going to be important over time to help the person discover new things that they can do. Uh, maybe they're going to be doing things in a different way. And here, physical therapists have been uh, a wonderful help to me personally um, and to, to many other people so that they can learn how to do the things that they typically would do and how they could do it in ways that would hurt them less or make it possible for them to um, continue caring for themselves. Um, learning, finding new interests, finding new routines. These are all things that you can help uh, a friend with. Yeah, as you were talking, I was thinking about my mom. And of course, I mentioned in a previous class that my mom um, had Parkinson's uh, disease. And for her, it was it was like a series of losses. Yeah. And so there's the, the loss maybe of um, being able to walk quickly and it, it tied her up where she was much slower in her movements and then eventually there's a, a loss of driving there's a loss of being able to go out as much things like that and so it's a series of losses so I think that those are some great points for what you can do to really be there for the person going through that mm -hmm. we want to switch gears at this time and talk about what we've been going through these past few months and, and really what's going to continue to be on our plate for a while. And that has to do with COVID-19, shelter in place. Um, there are the fears, the danger people feel from that, the loss of income, et cetera. And now, of course, there are places starting to open up and looking at opening up further, but it's still an issue for that. And let me give you an example of how I, I've seen a difference in the effect when um, shelter-in-place began, or even just before that, I was working in my counseling practice with uh, 22 or so couples that I was meeting with. And then suddenly it went from 22 down to a month and a half of usually about zero to one uh, mm -hmm. clients a week. And one week I blew it out. I had two clients, and that was a big celebration <laughs> that week. And then suddenly this week, and as we tape this, this is a Tuesday, and suddenly this week I started getting all kinds of phone calls. I had zero appointments last week. This week I have seven appointments. And I think that what that's indicative of is that shelter-in-place is catching up to people. I mean, it's just been hard on people emotionally. It's been hard on people relationally. I think at the beginning 
there were some couples that was kind of like, hey, you know, we're spending more time together. We're getting some more quality time, but the cracks in the relationships are starting to show through. And so I had like, for instance, a call just a little while ago, a couple said, we just had a big fight today. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to get together. Yeah. So I think it's just to validate where some of you are at, it is difficult. And I know it's different for different people. Some people are like, yeah, this isn't so bad. And why are people making a big thing? Other people are very, very nervous about what's happening. And there's just security that's really being shaken. So one of the definitions of grief that we, I don't think, really spelled out before is that it's conflicting feelings caused by the end of or a change in a familiar pattern of behavior. It's adjusting and learning to live our life, which involves accepting our new reality. Mm-hmm. And so that that's especially, I mean, it's related to death, but really of any type of loss, including our loss of normal right now. And so you think about this definition, and it's first accepting where things are at right now, But then it's also adjusting to living our new life right now. So yeah, we look at that. And for Patty and I, we've mentioned this before, but we have family night on Monday nights right now through Zoom. We have um, one to two Zoom meetings a week with the elders and, and staff. Uh, we, Patty meets with a group of women on Wednesday night. They do Zoom. I meet with a group of guys on Monday morning. We do Zoom. Uh, just recently, one of the couples in the church that we're especially friends with, uh, they came over to our yard. Uh, they live in the same neighborhood, and they sat a distance away, and, and we were able to talk and get caught up. Everybody was safe. We were distance. We were outdoors, too, which I think helps. Mm-hmm. And we did the same thing with some other friends here a week ago. We just... We just planted the chairs of good distance from from everybody and had a chance to catch up. We will do that also with our grandkids. We'll hang out in the yard and try to keep some distance, but still really be able to play with them. I think in terms of the the fear and the insecurity, that's, that's a challenge for a lot of people, and it is for me as well. I mentioned before I have one of those underlying health conditions that what I wonder, and this is some of my fear, is will the world open up? to other people, and will I still be in my current situation? And I feel like I'm going to have to grieve that as as well. I know some of us are fearful that will uh, we'll somebody that's important to us who has one of those underlying conditions really be uh, really get sick and, um, and, and be in danger at that point. And I get that, and I want to validate that. I think that we have to do the best that we can And I think at the same time, be able to be as proactive as we can right now. What, In other words, what can we do given our circumstances to still connect, to still make uh, our lives full? Um, I didn't quit working when I had zero to one clients. I I just adjusted and I started uh, writing more. I started doing more work on videos. I started trying to uh, revamp the website, that sort of thing. And so there's things we can do. Now, with the danger, it really helps to talk to other people. And sometimes with that, we just educate the person in what we need. For instance, maybe we're afraid to talk to somebody because we're afraid that they'll um, they'll judge us or they won't want to understand or maybe they'll give uh, advice that's inappropriate to our situation. Sometimes we can just educate and say, you know what, 
I'm struggling with this right now, but I could really use a soundboard and maybe I just don't know if I'm really ready for advice. Would you be that soundboard for me? Would you be somebody I could just tell you my fears right now? And it's okay to do that, to just educate somebody else. I think the other thing is just, it's gratitude. We've talked about that before, but gratitude has helped me through my scariest moments to be able to focus on the good things, what is going right and well, and that helps me to be able to problem solve and tackle those things that are more challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, you know, especially looking for the good and feeding those thoughts in our mind because, um, you know, our minds, they, they grow in whatever direction that we're feeding them. So um, definitely I, I liked how you talked about feeding the positive and being grateful. So what are strategies and realistic goals uh, for yourself to start functioning um, in a normal life if you're feeling depressed mm. and you're unmotivated with this shelter in place? Mm. You know, and of course this current situation, it has produced stress, isolation, financial difficulties, and all of these things will uh, contribute contribute to um, depression. So one of the ways that you can stay help yourself is to reach out and stay connected with people. That face-to-face time is even more important than a phone call, a text, or an email. Those are good, but having face-to-face, so being able to Zoom or use FaceTime or numerous other platforms to be able to at least see each other um, is very good. Um, Find ways to support others. You know, instead of thinking about how much I'm hurting and depressed, is to think about maybe there's somebody out there that I could encourage, Mm -hmm. you know? Maybe it's finding ways to care for a pet. You know, a a pet can be a wonderful stress reliever um, in times of like this. So another way would be to do things that make you feel good. Uh, Find a new hobby that you can do while you're sheltering in place. Um, Being creative. Maybe you would like to write some music or some poetry or you'd like to play an instrument, but find ways to be creative is all helpful for helping ourselves to not be um, depressed. Um, As well as things like taking care of your health, getting eight hours of sleep a night, eating healthy, um, practicing relaxation techniques, uh, deep breathing, meditation, prayer, all of these are very good for being able to reduce your, uh, your depression levels. Getting moving, just getting up and getting moving. And maybe this is something you don't want to do because getting out of bed is hard enough. But by forcing yourself to start moving, you're going to be... Um, really building within yourself some hormones that are going to help reduce depression levels. So um, rhythmic exercise is one of the best ways 
to, to do this. So things like walking, swimming, um, dancing, you know, movements that cause you to move both your arms and your legs, you know, so it could be weightlifting, um, a lot of different things that could just get your body moving so that you can help reduce that. Um, so eating healthy is an important way. I know that I've found myself um, just more inclined to be eating sweets at this time. And sugar is not your friend when you are feeling depressed. So you want to reduce the uh, sugars, the refined carbs, and um, you want to be able to boost vitamin B levels in your body. Citrus, leafy greens, um, eggs, um, and then also increase omega-3 the, because the omega-3s, they feed your brain, literally. So uh, eating things like salmon and herring, um, tuna, or even taking a fish oil supplement, all of those things. Daily sunlight is very important. You know, and, and it's hard when we've got these dark days, but um, still opening those curtains and getting a little bit of light in, you know, is good. Sitting by windows when there is light. Um, getting out and taking a walk. You know, there's some themes that keep coming up here that keep helping ourselves. Um, being able to challenge your negative thinking is really important when you're dealing with depression. And you need to look at what's the evidence that this thought I have, is it true or is it not true? What's the evidence? Uh, what would I tell a friend if they had this thought? Or is there another explanation about this? And then of course, if you need to get some help. So these are all ways that somebody can help themselves if they're feeling depressed and unmotivated. Yeah. Next question is how can I help people navigate and calm their thoughts while experiencing motions dealing with the COVID crisis? Um, I would say just go back to Patty's uh, answer and just <laughs> and just take all those and, and be there for somebody and help them. But one thing I wanted to add to her answer, I mean, there were several things in there that were activities like do this or do that type things. And sometimes we feel like, but what if I can't do that? What if I'm stuck in my feelings? And so sometimes what helps me when I'm overwhelmed with feelings is just to work or do something in increments. So maybe say I'm going to work on this for 15 minutes, even set an alarm if necessary. And for 15 minutes, I'm going to give myself totally to whatever it is. And sometimes that type of thing will snowball into greater activity, especially when we feel some sense of accomplishment that, okay, I did something. And sometimes really that's what it's all about. So last question having to do with um, teens and, and children, people really, just missing a lot of milestones right now, graduations, birthdays, prom, that sort of thing. Uh, what could we advise parents of teens and teens who are dealing with these missed milestones? I saw a um, former co-worker on Facebook. I, I saw a video that she put on this week, and, and you could see in the video her daughter uh, at the top of the stairs, and she's got look like a prom dress on, 
Uh, music is playing. She walks down the stairs. Her dad is at the bottom. He's dressed up, mm-hmm. and they have a dance together. Nice. And for some of you, you're thinking, well, <laughs> dancing with my dad, that's not going to replace prom. <laughs> but it's doing something. It's like saying, I noticed that you have this milestone, and it's important to you, and I'll be as proactive as I can to be able mm-hmm. to do something. Uh, I've also seen on Facebook uh, different friends who um, children had birthdays, and of course, it really affected how they're able to celebrate them. And so one friend in particular, she got word out to a lot of her friends, and at a particular time, she had her daughters out in the yard, and people started driving by and waving and honking. Some of them even had signs on their cars. And so again, it's just doing something. Graduates, I have noticed signs in yards um, that this person is graduating. I've also noticed people with picture of themselves mm-hmm. um, in the yard with a sign that says they're graduating. But just, I, I guess, parents, just figuring out what you can do to really make a memory. And I think the last thing to really keep in mind with what we're going through right now is, um, you know, I hear this a lot of times uh, from a, a Facebook couple, Kristen and Danny, they talk about humor as the is the best medicine and, and keeping our sense of humor, being able to laugh about things. I mean, just since we've been in shelter of place, in place, I think I've broken a toilet seat. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I took a shirt off. I reached up and I uh, broke a lamp. Broke the uh, yeah the lamp on the the mm-hmm. ceiling fan, and then oh I I knocked a soap. Uh, mm-hmm container, you know, off and it shattered the other day, you know, and sometimes we just got to laugh at those things. So, hey, thanks for being a part of this uh, four part or three and a half part class, (laughs) however you want to term it. And um, hey, have a great worship. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.